Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous Division for You Big Book Study. My name is Kelly S., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Today is Thursday, May the 16th, 2019. So today we're reading from the big book, and we are on page 26, third paragraph, He Begged the Doctor, and we'll be doing uh, reading and commenting on that one paragraph. So today's readers are, for the 12 Steps, Mary Agnes Y., 12 Traditions, Elaine H., readers of the text, Martha Z., Leon B., and Kat C., and our newcomer greeter is Elena A.M., and our host is supposed to be Craig, so we'll see about that. The reference numbers for Wednesday, yesterday, May 15th, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, 12902, 12902, and the 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 12904, 12904. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, quote, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers, end quote. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Mary Agnes Y. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Mary Agnes. Good morning. The 12 steps. Number one. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you for your service, Mary Agnes White. So I will now ask Elaine H. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, Elaine. 
Good morning, Kelly. Um, this is the 12 Traditions of O-Readers Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for a group purpose, there is that one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose to carry the message, carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse finance or land, the OA name, to any related facility or outside enterprise. Thus, problems of money and property and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, since the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles uh, before personalities. Thank you, Elaine H. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There's no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So today we resume our study in the big book, page 26, third paragraph. We are on He Begs the Doctor, and we are going to read and comment on that paragraph. And Martha Z will get us going. Good morning, Martha. Good morning, Kelly. Thank you for your loving service. This is Martha Z. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater by the grace of God from outside of Philadelphia. He begged the doctor to tell him the whole truth, and he got it. In the doctor's judgment, he was utterly hopeless. He could never regain his position in society and he would have to place himself under lock and key or hire a bodyguard if he expected to live long. That was a great physician's opinion. Good morning, my friends in recovery. So just for context, um, we're talking about Roland Hazard here, and he undergoes treatment for a year with Dr. Jung, and he leaves with a lot of confidence, and, and he ends up picking up a drink before he even gets on the boat to come home. And so... At this point, Dr. Young, he goes back to Dr. Young, and Dr. Young tells him that he's hopeless. And at first I thought, what am I going to say about this paragraph? And then I thought, I certainly know what it's like to feel hopeless. So 
I started struggling with the disease um, of compulsive eating when I was 15, and I struggled with it um, through high school and college. And I was able to succeed in a lot of other areas in my life, but I just could not solve this food thing. So I found OA at 22 right after I graduated from college, and um, I, I was felt completely hopeless, but I really found hope in OA. It gave me hope. I want to say despite the fact that I continued to struggle for the first 12 years I was there. Um, but I, I knew it was the right answer, so I just kept trying and I just kept coming. And I felt like that was my only success, that I didn't give up. So um, I really thought that something was going to happen. But I, I knew it wasn't going to happen if I wasn't there. So um, I always think about the part in Roseanne's story, our, our founder. Um, she says, and this is how I thought of it, she says, if you continue to bring your body to the truth, when you're ready, the truth is there waiting for you. And um, so that I didn't, I didn't have any clear suicidal plans, but I did not want to be here if I had to keep doing what I was doing with food. Um, so I was having a lot of physical consequences, but mostly very much emotionally and spiritually. And I, you know, I think about the bedevilments on 52 and really trouble controlling our emotional natures, having a prey to misery and depression, um, all those things. I was in complete bondage to food. So I like to say my disease finally beat me into a state of reasonableness, like the big book says. And um, I looked at the word hopeless, and it said despairing and desperate. And that was certainly where I was when my disease surrendered me. And um, I was willing to take direction and do whatever I was told. So um, I learned that I was suffering from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. It only seemed hopeless, but that, but it really wasn't. So um, I've been living in recovery for 30 and a quarter years since then, and God restored me to sanity. And um, I continue to maintain a certain simple attitude, which is going to do in the next paragraph. Um, um, honesty, open-mindedness, and the open-mindedness is setting aside everything I think I know, and willingness to clean house, trust God, and help others. So I can give hope that if I could recover, then recovery is possible for everyone. Anyway, thanks for letting me share. Thank you so much, Martha, for getting us going. So the lines are now open. Um, if you have not shared in the last couple days and would like to share on this paragraph, give me your first name and last initial. Barbara E. Melissa. Melissa. Jan S. Jan S. Chaya. I heard Who? After Jan S, it's Chaya S. Chaya. Chaya. After Chaya, it's Margaret D. Margaret D. Y'all going in order. Dion R. What was it? Dion R. Dion Dion R. Jennifer R. W. Jennifer W. And we'll stop there. Okay. So here's the lineup I got: Barbara E, <laughs> Melissa C, Jan S, Haya S, Margaret D, Dion R, 
Jennifer R or W. So if you can please press star one, make sure you're muted, and we'll get started. Barbara Eve and Melissa. So good morning, Barbara. Good morning, Kelly, and thank you so much for your service. Well, yesterday we learned that self-knowledge was not enough. The cause was unimportant. The important thing that is that a solution was offered to us. Lucky us. I had absolutely no control over my disease and my bad behaviors. I was suffering from the delusional thinking that I'd be able to control my overeating and my life someday. That's what my disease wanted me to think. So I kept on falling down into that hole I dug for myself with a knife, a fork, and a spoon until I heard about a solution that might save me. But I had to stop dieting and start living. Today, I no longer ask the big question, why me? It really didn't matter. Like Popeye the Sailor Man, I am what I am. I had to cease struggling and surrender to the solution offered me if I truly wished to let go of the behaviors that were plaguing me. All the methods I tried ultimately failed until I had to accept that self-knowledge got me bupkis. That means zero recovery. I could gain 10 pounds in a single weekend, regaining over 100 within six months. No one ever told me I was hopeless, but I knew I was hopeless. OA gave me a glimmer of hope that maybe there was a way out of the deep hole I was in but it would take action with a capital A. I don't really know how I became willing to wave the white flag. I had to let go of my desire to control my eating and my life. So maybe it was a desperation, but I like to think it was my newfound belief that I, ha I now had a personal God that could be my shield and my protector, have, have my back but it necessitated courage and humility on my part, not two of my character assets, but I was ready to make the effort to stop struggling and take a gigantic leap of faith. I was told all it would take was awareness, acceptance, and humility to ask my higher power to lead me to constant, wholehearted willingness to take action every day and, of course, remain abstinent. That sounded a bit overwhelming, but I was willing. You know, I never did again find the need to answer why. As I said, as it was said so eloquently on Sunday, I can die because of this disease or live in spite of it. I choose life. I hope you do too. Thank you. I pass. Thank you so much, Barbara E. Next up, Melissa C., followed by Jan S. Good morning, Melissa. Hi. Good morning, Kelly. Thank you so much for your service. It's Melissa C., recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, you know, I, I have been told that I was utterly hopeless. You know, I, um, 10 years ago, I, at, at 300 pounds, you know, my doctor said, um, that I was never going to lose the weight. Like, I remember him saying, um, you're never going to lose the weight. And, uh, and then he started pointing to the evidence. He, he whipped out my chart and he started reading my, my numbers, you know, and how my, my weight gain was steady. 
Then I would have, uh, you know, these occasional dips of weight loss. Um, but that in all the time that he's known me, I only grew larger and larger and my blood pressure only got higher and higher. And that, um, you know, I was 40 at that time. Right. And, and I was already having health issues. That's why I was there and that they were all weight, weight related, <laughs> like, you know, and, and then he said, um, and any diet that I have, you know, recommended to you or that you've done has not worked. And, um, and then he, you know, his lock and key, the bodyguard that he suggested to me, um, the only thing that he felt he had to offer me was a referral to another doctor, a bariatric doctor, you know, a surgeon. And, and he said, this is like your last, he said, this is your last chance. If you don't, if you don't do this, um, I don't predict that you're going to make it through your fifties. And, um, and I remember like, that was so painful having him say that to me um, and scary. And I, you know, and I cried, like I really cried, um, you know, and then I had the referral in my pocket. So I went through drive throughs on the way home because um, what else could I do with that emotion, you know? Um, and you know what? I didn't get that weight loss surgery, you know? And when I look at that, um, that's the lock and key, that's the bodyguard. And, Locking keys and bodyguards, they don't work, you know, for someone like me because um, for me, like, the problem exists in my mind. So if I'm locked inside and there's a really great bodyguard watching outside for some sort of an intruder, well, I'm screwed because I'm locked in with, with the biggest enemy of all, which is my thinking, you know, and I know that I would have, I would have figured out how to pick that lock. You know, I would have figured out how to get down some smooth, creamy, food that wouldn't interfere with the surgery, you know? Um, and today, like I have a much greater protector than any of that. Um, and when I have returned to the doctor, um, you know, I, I carry the message. I've given him my pamphlets, what he's done with that. I don't know, but I've done my part. Um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Perfect timing, Melissa. Thanks for your share. And next up, GNS followed by Haya S. Good morning, Jan. Good morning. This is Jan S. from St. Augustine, Florida. Thank you for your service and thank everyone on the line of sharing. Um, well, I I had tried um, OA back in the, um, 1978, and um, I thought everybody was nuts because they were talking about God and I ran for my life, but... Um, when I got back there uh, four years later, I knew I was desperate and I knew I was dying because I wanted to die. I was 24 years old. I had a four-year-old and a three-year-old, and I wanted to die. Um, and the only options I had was going back to that crazy OA room with all these people talking about God or checking into a psych ward somewhere because I knew I wanted to die. So um, so having someone tell me that I was going to die from this disease, it, it didn't matter because I, I knew I wanted to go there. And so, but that was definitely the time when the, when the gates of hell just closed on me because I didn't have any clothes that fit me anymore. I was 24 and I couldn't make it up and down a flight of stairs and I wanted to die. But, um, and so I, I did, I did, 
I never left. I never left the rooms from 24 years old. It's going to be 37 years. But I slipped and slid for a very long time. I did not really have a full spiritual awakening and attain oh, good abstinence until about seven years ago because I, you know, was caught up in, you know, you work the tools, you work the tools. But the full impact of this addiction did not really go from the insanity in my mind until I could accept in my heart that it didn't matter. It didn't matter. It didn't matter until I accepted that I had uh, this illness and that it was never going away and that I had to have a spiritual awakening and put something else in my life before my own self-reliance and the food, I was not going to get better. I was not going to recover. And I was sick and tired of being sick and tired and dying and slipping and sliding in the rooms. So I am grateful today that I, you know, am abstaining. I work a program. I am in recovery. I do take people through the big book, and I am sponsoring. I am sponsored. So one day at a time, uh, I never left the rooms. Despite how I treated it like a diet in the beginning, I never left. And that, to me, was... uh, you know, besides my higher power continuing to be patient and loving with me, (laughs) um, I think that's what saved my life. One day at a time, I have to keep doing it in order to just stay in recovery and help others. So thank you so much for this meeting. Thank you so much for everybody on the line, and have a blessed day. Thank you so much, Jan S. and Haya S. And is up next, followed by Margaret D. Good morning, Haya. Press star one. Yeah, thank you for reminding me to press star one. I'm talking and <laughs> this is Haya S. from Chicago. I'm very grateful to be on the meeting today and, and to have the opportunity to share. Um, so there are different ways of being hopeless. Um, before I came into program um, and working the steps, I was hopeless because I didn't know, as everyone else had said, I didn't know there was another way to live. Um, And then recently I worked the steps thoroughly and my sponsor said I was recovered, so I was recovered. And I um, stopped thinking about the hopelessness of this disease if you don't work the steps. And I um, rested on my laurels and not working the steps, not staying abstinent, 100% staying away from, from my alcoholic foods. Um, I, I rapidly lost my abstinence and I felt hopeless once again. Because no matter what I tried to start again, to start again, I, I, I just, at the end of the day, started to pick up. So here it is right in front of us that there's us that this is disease is very frightening it's 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 all, it's very very powerful and I have no power over this disease I have no power over my compulsive eating and my life has become unmanageable so I learned once again that statement that fact that truth that if I don't accept the finality of this disease, the truth, the ultimate truth of, of, of my life, that I am powerless, 
and then continue to take the, the, the next step to recognize that there is a power greater than me and that power can help me, then there's no hope. The hope is working the program. The hope is day by day, admitting my powerlessness, staying abstinent, and doing the work of the program. And I pass. Thank you, Haya S. for your share. Next up, Margaret D., followed by Dion R. Hey, Margaret. Good morning. This is Margaret D., um, recovered compulsive eater in Georgia. May I be heard? Yes, you can. Ooh, yay. Okay. All right. Thank you. Um, so I'm, I want to go back to the big book for just a second um, with these the last two paragraphs um, where Roland returns back to the doctor. And then he he says he asked him point blank why he could not recover. I don't think I ever asked anybody point blank anything about my disease because I was kind of too afraid that I would get the answer, no, you can never do this, or no, you have to go become a missionary in some far off place, or you you know, so I would be told something that I just could not, I couldn't do it. Um, so that alone, for me anyways, is such a huge part of the problem because I'm so terrified in my brain of what I think the answer is going to be. Um, so in the sidelines of my book in a study that we did, um, I was told that Roland Hazard had the practical solution, and so therefore he was abstinent for a year. But he didn't know what the problem was. And so as soon as he got away from Dr. Hume, the the problem, which he had no idea what it was, you know, having the um, allergy of the body, was back. And it's such a, a sign to me, anyways, of God's loving and care that now we have the problem, we have the solution, and with the steps we have the practical program of action because Roland didn't have the um, practical program. That was another um, reason why he was not able to uh, not drink. Um, The last thing that I want to share is uh, my sponsor and I were talking about this one time and he said, well, it's kind of like if you're trying to use a flat screwdriver to brush your teeth, you know what the problem is. You have to get the gunk or whatever off your teeth And you've got a fuzzy idea of what the solution is. But if you don't have that practical program of action, it's all going to fall apart. And from listening to you and, you know, hearing what you did and what it was like for you, I learned a a, um, screwdriver is probably not the best way to brush your teeth on a daily basis. And I was pointed to a practical program of dental care. Um, So with that, thank you everybody so much for caring and um, thank you God for caring more than all of us. And um, we just can't, we just care as much as God does and that I pass. Thank you so much, Margaret D. Next up, Dion R. Followed by Jennifer W. Good morning, Dion. Good morning. Hi, this is Dion R. from Ohio. Recovered compulsive overeater and very grateful today um, and uh, woke up and just thinking about listening to the meeting I thought well I know a little bit about hopelessness and 
being um, and feeling utterly defeated in life, um, just being reminded that um, the times when I did uh, feel hopeless, um, I really was going to settle with just that. And today, waking up just feeling so full of hope, not that um, life is grand, but the fact that I am alive and I do remember, uh, I don't know, the thought came to me this morning, it's like, wow, Dion, the the, the people that know me in my God squad, the close people, they know I really literally was raised from the dead in a medical aspect. So just to be able to be a free person today, a life, (laughs) a life person today, and all that happened even while I was in recovery, you know, and I could I could have uh, rested on my laurels and say, oh, well, you know, I'm doing this and I'm abstinent. Why is this happening? And I did. But my higher power let me know that the things that I did in the past, I could use it, and other people did in the past, I could use it as an asset rather than just keep falling over. It's like I damaged my body for years and years and years, you know, even after being in OA for over 20 years, you know, before I surrendered. So the last seven, almost seven years is like, oh, my God, you know, I do. I have something to to give others. I know I have hope. My surroundings, the people know. My family know the ones close to me. But more importantly, the message, the only reason why I am here to offer people hope, that there is a solution. And regardless, rainy day, snowy day, uh, hot, whatever, there's a solution. And if he can do it for me, my higher power, whom I choose to call God, it wasn't always that. It was just the group at first. You know, everybody has that story. But for me, my higher power, yes, he raised me from the dead. And if nothing else, so let me this if it wasn't for the program of action that he gave me, this prescription. This is my prescription, my spiritual prescription. Listen to you guys for years, and it finally clicked. I got that aha moment where I knew I was desperately, like someone said earlier, desperately hopeless, and I was helpless, and I and I just wanted out. And today I'm glad I didn't. Uh, he didn't. Uh, my my disease didn't take me out. But I do know I need to continue doing what I'm doing today. Carry the message of recovery, because there is hope. And if they can do it for me, I've recovered uh, from that hopelessness. And uh, and if I rest on my laurels. Yes, I will be right back in the funk again. And with that, I'll pass, guys. Thanks for allowing me to uh, be of service and to share the message. There is hope. Thank you. Thank you, Dion R. Man, everybody's keeping right on time today with three minutes. Awesome. Next up, Jennifer W., then we'll be opening up the lines again. Good morning, Jennifer. Hi, this is Jennifer. Can you hear me? Yes. Ah, good, good. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater calling from Sweden, and I'm really happy to be on the line. Uh, when we are looking at this paragraph, I'm thinking of this hopelessness that the state which I was in, and I think that I needed to be in that hopelessness because before I got hopeless, I was a little bit resentful. I was seeing myself as better. Um, like the people in program in OA, they talked about God. It's kind of strange. And I cling on to the thought that I would be normal like other people, um, always controlling the food, always controlling it. And it got really, really bad. 
and uh, when it got as bad as as it is here in the text, um, I um, I felt hopeless, and uh, then I just got to the like the mental state where I thought that I don't care anymore. I don't care what people think. I don't care if they say God. I don't care if I have to measure my food in front of people. I don't care if people think I'm strange for not eating everything and not being normal. I was just like, I don't care because I just want to feel good uh, and live a life that I actually can um, like have a have a have a nice life. And I guess I'm grateful for that because. Um, um then I actually really got to the point where I'll I, I I said that I'll do whatever. Like if you tell me not to travel, I won't travel for a long time and just focus on my food if that is what needed. And um I'm grateful to do those things, but eventually um uh, eventually you become like you can do more things and you become freer and all. But I just want to end with saying also that after I had that surrender, I got abstinent. And then actually, again, I said to myself that maybe I could eat in the way. And I had a, a big relapse. So it's a really scary disease, actually. So I'm really grateful to be here and with all of you and listening and learning and taking care of my disease and actually have a a nice life today. Thanks. Thank you so much, Jennifer W. Okay, so here's where we're at. Uh, let me figure that out. Page 26, third paragraph. He begs the doctor, that one paragraph only, and if you have not shared in the last couple of days and would love to, I'd love your first name and last initial. Go. Irene, this is Annie H. All I heard was an Irene. Annie H. Naomi B. Wait, just a minute. Okay, let's hang on a minute because it's all jumbly. All I've got so far is Irene something, Annie H, and Janet something. Mara Z. Mara. Anne Marie M. Naomi B. Naomi. Sean R. And Sean R. Let's stop there. So uh, if everybody could press star one and mute your phone, a couple of initials when you get on I'll need to get. Uh, so first off, I have Irene and then Annie H. So Irene, what's the first initial of your last name? Irene B. B as in B. All right, Irene, you're up first. Thank you so much. Thank you for your service and thank you for this wonderful meeting. I am a recovering bulimic from Louisiana. Um, I um, hopelessness. I understand this well, but what brings me to to want to share today is that every time I I read this uh, little section of the book where it says he seemed quite rational and well balanced with respect to other problems, yet he had no control, whatever, over alcohol. So. Um, that was me in my disease. That was me in my bulimia. It's like the bulimia helped me cope, and I was, all things considered, 
highly functional in the sense that I was a shaker and a maker and I got things done, unless I was in a really bad place and that really, really did get in the place, but for the, I mean, in the way, but for the most part, I was highly functioning. I've been um, abstinent for 26 months now, and uh, but I, I'm facing a very, I'm codependent on my husband, and TMI, no boundaries, but for me, I've discovered that I am so dependent on him and wanting his approval, and I've recreated my childhood in that relationship, and he's he's an untreated ACA, so uh, it, it, it's it's difficult. <laughs> but I have recovered from bulimia in spite of his judgment and rejection, which is a miracle. It's an unbelievable miracle. But uh, but now that I don't have my eating disorder. As a crutch, you know, I say that I am non-functioning because it seems like I'm in a state of fear. So this little paragraph in the book where it says that seems quite rational to everything except food, that's in my truth all of my life until now where it's the opposite. Now that I don't eat, I feel so much better. Yes, I feel my fear better, and I and 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 I try not to live in fear. And and then I get through. And I and and and, and then I pray and I do the, the 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 you know the fierce prayer. You know what would you have me do? Time, please. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Irene. And remember, we are commenting on the paragraph that was just shared. So next up, or the, the paragraph that was read anyway, next up is Annie H. followed by Janet. Good morning, Annie. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. Um, actually, this is my first time sharing. Um, I've decided to uh, accept the whole truth, right? Um, fly the white flag. So this paragraph is interesting to me in that um, how do I make this choice? Do I want to place myself under lock and key? Do I want to hire a bodyguard? Is that that place of unfreedom for me? Um, For me, surrendering to uh, the notion that this could be me. And finally, through the act of trying to be humble, and humbling myself before not the great physicians, but the master physicians that I am brought to a place that this disease is cunning, baffling, and insidious, and that I can choose to be in denial or I can choose to be in reality as reality is and not as I want to see it. And that is that I have a problem. And I don't want to live under lock and key. I don't want to have to hire a bodyguard And so I submit myself to the steps, to continuing to try to be humble and to continue to try to turn my will over. And there is the hope that I have. 
in the divine physician, in the great master physician and his plan. And if I walk hand in hand with my higher power and with the help of you here, my brothers and sisters that I listen to that have given me the hope as I listen and the ability to surrender, I know I can live happy, joyous, and free. So thanks for listening, and I'm grateful to be able to participate, and I will mute and pass. Well, thank you, Annie H., for your share. Welcome to the line. Um, next up, Janet, followed by Mara Z. Janet, what is the first initial of your last name? B, like boy. All right. Well, you're up. Hi. Thank you. Hi, I'm Janet B. from New Jersey, recovered from compulsive eating and bulimia. Um, I like, I'm just going to focus on that word hopeless because I remember my first six and a half years in OA, I was hopeless and I felt hopeless. I went through about 50 different sponsors. I did everything I was told and I couldn't stop binging. And people told me a couple things. One, they said, um, just keep coming. It'll get better. Well, it didn't get better because I wasn't doing anything except sitting, um, and then I was also told, like, well, just put down the food and, you know, then it'll get better. And I thought, well, if I could just put down the food, I wouldn't be spending all these years in church basements. And what I learned was that I was hopeless and that the only thing that was going to help me was a miracle. There was nothing in my human power or anyone else's human power that could help. I needed a miracle. I was throwing up up to six times a day. Um, and luckily, this book, this program specializes in miracles. And I just, um, I love the part at the end of We Agnostics where it talks about how when the minister's son um, found his miracle and they say, um, what is it but a miracle of healing? Yet its elements are simple. And that boggled my mind because that tells me that even though I was hopeless, I could have a miracle. And this book was going to tell me the elements of a miracle which was to admit I was powerless, give my life to God, do his will as best I could. And when I did that, he would protect me both in the food and in all areas of my life. And the day that I went home and said that, I said, God, I've always had fixed ideas of what you were like and what you wanted of me. I'm willing to start all over and let you show me what you're like and what you want of me. And it was like a hand Yet reached into my hopeless heart and yanked out the obsession. And as I've tried to walk doing God's will day by day, that obsession has stayed out. And I am just so grateful. Um, I was hopeless. The only hope I had was a miracle. But luckily, God still specializes in miracles in this day and age. So thank you very much. Thank you so much, Janet B. Next up, Mara Z, followed by Anne-Marie M. Good morning, Mara. Good morning, Kelly. And I'm driving, so would you kindly find me, please? I'm hoping the it. background noise is not so bad. I'm Mara Z, and I'm gratefully recovered from this seemingly hopeless disease. And hopeless. <laughs> I think we all pretty much know what hopeless is. Hopeless is being a teenager and crying into my pillow and praying to God, if this is as good as it gets, take me now. 
Hopeless is praying that same prayer five years later, ten years later. Hopeless is complete defeat. But not defeat enough that I would say, okay, I'll do whatever you tell me to do because I was hopeless in the rooms of OA for nearly, I don't know, a dozen years. A dozen years. And I was doing the tools as best as I could. And every time I asked somebody about this spiritual component of this program and how do you get that, they would say, pray. And I would say, I don't know how. And finally, when I was put in front of someone, thank you, God, long distance over the phone with someone in whom the problem had been solved, and she explained to me finally, after having read and written on the doctor's opinion, oh, I don't know, 50 times easily, finally I understood allergy and obsession. And I was like, oh, my gosh. No wonder I've never been able to leave the food alone. I keep feeding the monster. And I keep feeding the monster, and the monster wants more. Because my disease, I don't break out in a rash. I break out in more. I break out in a mind that has a will of its own and says, get the bleep out of my way. That's mine. Put your hand on my plate. I'll put my fork through your hand. That's how it was. But hope, hope is something new and different. Hope says, hold my hand and hold God's hand with your other hand, and we will walk through this together. Take these 12 steps and do them, and do them earnestly and rigorously, honestly, and do them. Don't want them. Don't need them. Do them, Mora, and then you will have hope. And I did them, and I still do them, and I have hope today. And I have a life beyond my wildest dreams. If you're out there and you're in the food, please keep coming back. Put down the food. Pick up the hand of a sponsor. Walk through this book. Walk through these steps, and you will have the life you've always dreamed of. And with that, I pass. Wow, Mari, you had two seconds. You're good. Okay, Mm -hmm. so... Next up, Anne-Marie M., followed by Naomi B. Good morning, Anne-Marie. Hey, thank you so much. Thanks for um, moderating the meeting. This is Anne-Marie M., a compulsive overeater that is gratefully abstinent through God's grace today. And I could uh, so identify with Roland and with so many others that have just shared about the despair I felt um, I had attempted suicide before I even ever entered these programs. I was um, drinking and compulsively overeating. Uh, I, I started drinking, and I got a little buzz off of it, and I thought, hmm, this might be better than the food, but it, it didn't do what the food did for me. The food gave me comfort. Um, and so I, you know, have been compulsively eating since the age of eight. I thought I found a substitute with the alcohol, but just didn't do what the food did for me. And I got to the point where I just felt there's no use living like this. Um, I, too, my uh, my clothes didn't fit me. Um, I was young. I was uh, I was in my 20s living with my parents, feeling 
just totally in despair and totally hopeless. And I was so grateful when I came into the rooms to find out that this was a disease, that I wasn't such a bad, horrible person. And um, I've learned so much. I, um, you know, I do do this program, but I, you know, I was talking to my sponsor about it, but am I living it? Am I living this program? And I don't live this all the time. I, too, was once recovered and, you know, my pride, I think it's my pride that gets in the way um, because I've been having difficulty staying abstinent. And the thing for me is I believe my pride that gets in the way, my pride combination ego of not needing to do um, 10 steps and, you know, keep going back to that. So I'm just, you know, praying that this is this time I've learned and I will live this program, that when something does come up for me, I'm a little bit off not talking about what's on the um, topic today, but um, but when I'm a little bit off that, you know, I, I pray that God removes this ego and that I can pick up the phone First, ask God to remove whatever's going on with me and then pick up the phone and tell somebody. Um, you know, I, I am human, so um, and I've heard that too. You know, I'm, I'm human and I'm going to have difficult times and emotions that come up. And with this program, um, I found hope. But I certain, certainly could relate to what Rahul and, I mean, um, Roland has. If time. Through, so thank you. I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Anne-Marie M. Next up, Naomi B., followed by Sean R. Good morning, Hi, Kelly. Naomi. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Okay, great. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you for your service. Good morning, family. I'm Naomi B., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater outside Philadelphia. What comes to my mind was, I'm going to piggyback a sentence from a previous paragraph, yet he had no control whatever over alcohol. Then we come down here and it says, in the doctor's judgment, he was utterly hopeless. He could never regain his position in society. And to me, like the one and the same, because um, thankfully, as I hear so many of my other fellows in the program, 15, 20, 30 years, and then they get it. God was very gracious to me. I was only in the program a couple years before this wonderful book was cracked open to me and, and a bright light came out and a, and the truth came out. And but prior to that, yeah, I mean the judge, the doctor's judgment, uh, he was utterly hopeless. Well, after I gained four pounds back of the of the seventy pounds I lost with a lap band, the doctor he was he didn't come right out and say, it, but his words, his actions, his body body actions were were there that I was hopeless, and I knew it too because he knew what I was doing. And there was no way in this world I could go back to him after gaining 35 pounds. I hated myself enough. How much more hatred could I dump on myself? And thank you, God. And Ebby was sent into my home. And I went to my first OA meeting. And they gave me a big book. And it was like, what? But once it was really officially, two years later, cracked open, word by word, sentence by sentence. I thought, you know what, there really is something wrong with me. 
I didn't realize. I had no idea. I never heard of of of. I heard of Alcoholics Anonymous, but nothing about the the allergy the allergy of the brain or the the obsession of the mind, the allergy of the body. Once I knew what we were dealing with, and I saw that there was a solution in reading this book, just changing one word for another. Wow, my life just opened up. And it was just, yes, I was, I can honestly say, by my higher power, I was struck abstinent. And with his higher power, day by day, just one day at a time, we walk in this program. And I am not hopeless anymore. And life doesn't stop. Crap still happens all around me. But thank you, God. Because of God and because of this program and because of you, I have hope. And I was also given a mouth. And because of this mouth, I can carry the word, which I do whenever I have the opportunity. Thank you for allowing me to share. And I pass. Thank you so much, Naomi B. And Sean R., you will be our last share today. Good morning. Good morning, all. Star one. Oh, hey. Good morning. Good morning. Um, thank you for your service, Kelly. Um, yesterday morning, I I was gonna I was I was still looking forward to this meeting yesterday morning, but I um, before the meeting started, I have a heart condition called affibration, a, a and uh, my heart woke me up in the middle of the night, just racing, and uh, I, f- I woke up with complete hopelessness, and, and I was scared. But because of OA and, and the 12 steps, I, I now have a strong faith in, in God. And I just prayed for, just to be comforted and, and re- reassured. And and thank God that you people were on the, on the meeting, uh, were out there uh, yesterday because I could listen. Even though I was in a panic state and my heart rate was doubled. and and um, But I just... <laughs> to experience this, you really feel powerlessness. I, there was nothing I could do to stop this, and um, I just had to just be in the presence of God. And in the presence of hearing your voices um, on my phone was was such a blessing yesterday. Um, and regarding and regarding my my disease, it uh, I, I've been feeling helpless for eight years. Eight years I was in another fellowship trying to deal with my food and. And I, I just, and 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 now I've, I've been in this fellowship for a month, and I'm an accident, and my weight, my weight is coming off. But more importantly, I, I'm just free. I, I've had a spiritual uh, experience in, in, in such a way that I, I'm just, I, I can't believe I, I can go to, to donut stores and not buy donuts or or go anywhere and not buy anything. I'm, and I actually used to, actually. Um, the envious of Roland that he actually had a he actually had a choice where he could lock himself up. I was like, oh, I wish I could lock myself up. Um, I really, uh, yeah, I remember praying, please send somebody here to hold me back. You know, find a find a woman that can have, can somehow bar me from the fridge. I I was so powerless, and uh, and now I have a, a God and I have a, a fellowship that strengthens me and loves me in such a way that food is no longer my solution. It's just not. I have a better solution. I have 
as the 12 steps in the big book and this fellowship. And it's, it's been such a blessing and I can't thank you enough for, for everybody who listens, listens and listens to me, the love. And yesterday was so panicky. I, my day was nearly shot because of, of my heart. Um, but, um, I was able to hear your voices and it, it meant so much to me to hear your voices and it just, anyways, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Sean R., for your share, and that um, wraps up our meeting today. So thank you to everyone who shared. Uh, we will please join, please join us for the second unrecorded hour study immediately following closing. So the share ID for today, May 16th, is 12911, 12911. So we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer, Will Leon B. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning. It's Leon B., recovered compulsive overeater from Simpsonville, South Carolina. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.